Hey everybody, welcome to the Two on Three podcast, where two of your friends take on three topics in 30 minutes. You should follow us on Twitter at Two on Three Pod. You can follow me, Chris, at CD Villasenor. And as always, with me is Ty. Ty, where can we find you? At SEATJK. I should mention that this is episode 12. Episode 12? Yes. I like it. Do you know that Move numbers around? are sequential? Like, so, like, when I do one <laughs> and I tell you. <laughs> I'm the even and you're the odd. Is this is how right. this works? Yes. Well, that that's sort of just like in real life. I'm the even and you're the odd. Mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of walked right into that one, didn't you? <laughs> anyway, what are we chatting about today? Today we're talking about measurables and not in that dirty way. We're talking about how good could you get at something if you cared to. Uh, we're talking about maybe how attitudes have changed in terms of how men can be stoic or not stoic or have to lay their feelings out on the ground and in the uh, overtime we've got just a couple of little things to sort of pick at (laughs) but you'll just have to wait you'll just have to wait till the end to get to those anyway so ty over the last over the last weekend they made you know recent college graduates run around in their underwear in 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 Indianapolis to play football, I you know those 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 outfits lack dignity. I think first of all, let me get right. Let me just get that right out. Well, do you remember what two or three seasons ago, or we just had a whole spillage when the dude uh, like fell forward on his face? Oh, right. Like that they, they took that yeah. offensive lineman, that big dude, and his and his wiener just came out yeah. of the pants. <laughs> his shorts just blew open when he fell down. Yeah, yeah, I think it was actually his his wiener coming out that made him fall down. <laughs> the shift in the the center of gravity. Yeah, no, perhaps. I think it was yeah because they made him wear those like biker shorts. Yeah, and they just rode up on him because he's a big three hundred. No, I think they split. Twenty pound whatever. Out, did they? <laughs> yeah. My favorite part of that bit is where he gets up, he goes to the official, he goes like, "My dick came out." <laughs> <laughs> that's my, that's my that poor guy. Did he, he's stuffing his junk back in his shorts like he's oh, gutted on the World War II battlefield, trying to collect his intestines and yell for his mother. <laughs> Just that poor guy. I hope he got drafted. I hope he's in the league. Anyway, I, I don't. Know. Well, you know what? It speaks to the speed of the internet that we don't know the name of the player whose dick flopped out during the yeah. NFL Combine. Well, exactly. But that's fine. But anyway, <laughs> you know. So they go through this whole thing. I, there's a measurable for everything, right? They've they've gone to this whole. They've broken down every aspect of their sport, or at least they think they have, right? And they uh-huh. make everyone go through these things to say, hey, can we determine an edge? Can we give somebody, can we, does it, does it matter? So I think what my question is this evening is, how much of the measurables matter versus how you play the game? I, I think... Very little, unless you are sort of an openly raw kind of prospect that requires development. I think that if it's sort of known that you maybe, you know, aren't a complete player yet and you're new to the sport, maybe, or you haven't spent as much time in it as some of the other guys and you have like really hot. Think about uh, to, to do an NBA comp, like a Giannis type situation mm-hmm. where he didn't really know how to play basketball or, uh, you know, even Joel Embiid, right? Like only learned to play a few years ago. So like you look at him now and all the things they're doing, you feel like their ceiling is super high. Um, but I think that. If you are you have a solid body of work and you are kind of not that you couldn't get better or faster, you are who you are to some extent. I think game tape matters way more. I mean, there's tons of stories of workout warriors who don't pan out, right? I mean, I feel like we're inundated with that every every year. There's a, some whether it's a spring training camp story or an NFL combine story. There's always somebody who looks awesome and is seemingly more athletic than ever, but they don't, it doesn't, nothing happens. They just blow it out, right? They're just some sort of physical freak. Well, there's a whole industry around getting athletes ready for these combine type activities. There's a whole cottage industry based on, Hey, can I get this person to bump up in the, in the, in the draft at all by, by getting them the right coaching and, 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 preparing for this quote-unquote test right you sure. teach to the teach to the test but it doesn't mean these these guys can play football right? no exactly no although saquon barkley doing bent 20 benching 225 pounds 29 times is just disgusting well so that's the thing where <laughs> when you've watched the tape and then you get an amazing workout it's just like you're you know the, the scouts tongues loll out of their heads right well it wasn't it, no one had any doubts about Saquon Barkley anyway in terms of his his game tape or his measurables. There's there's people 
like Darnold, who wouldn't throw. Like, Darnold doesn't need to go to the combine and throw. Right. Right? I mean, you've seen the tape. You've seen all that kind of stuff. It's like LeBron in high school. Like, did anyone need to work LeBron out? No. <laughs> really? <laughs> like, no, you know what you're getting. There are people, there are people who are just above that. But I guess, I guess if I was a fourth or fifth round prospect, I think that maybe going to the I mean for the top guys it really doesn't matter, right? When you're when you're when you're one of those top 10 type players, there's very little value in the in the combine. Although if you're yeah. down if you're trying to jump up from fourth round to third round or third round to second round kind of kind of you know, those kind of things, then perhaps it's a good idea. For sure. I think that if you're in any sort of a a situation where you might if you can get yourself up a few spots and it's going to make you legitimately more money you have no choice but to but to pursue it yeah what else what what do we need i think we have to have a friend combine <laughs> <laughs> if, if we have new friends if you have friends I was, I was thinking about your friends from the dinner the other week the the the, <laughs> the friends from the dinner the other week i thought about, what, what if we put them through a friend combine what would you what would what would our what would your events be in the friend combine um, I want so. That's wow, that's that's interesting because I don't first, know what I first, want. First of all, drink this whiskey and don't and don't spit it out. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. You know that's interesting. You say that because I really don't give a fuck what people want to like drink or whatever. Like, you know, if you want to hang and drink out a drink a Zima. That's that's cool. That's you. <laughs> Do your thing, man. I'm not gonna. You know, I'm, I'm I'm too old to be heckling people about their choices for entertainment on the. Uh, they just totally lost the, the word. Can you, um, can you name more than five? Inebriation real, tip. Can you name more than five real housewives? If so, you're out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that, that you're out for that for sure. I, I'd like to, you know, I'd like to put together a, a sort of a like a, a set of physical challenges as well. You know, it's like mm-hmm. let's throw some cornhole. Like, are you like a total like you can't even throw a cornhole? Like, if you can't even be a functional human being out on the bar <laughs> game circuit, I can't have you in my life. <laughs> like, if we find ourselves and it's just the two of us, and you're gonna be friends. Mm-hmm. And we're at a bar, and that's the thing that there's going on there, and you just can't function. Then we're not going to be friends. I'm going to be angry with you right then the whole right. time. Right. I had a version of the friend combine, except it was for girls that I was seeing. <laughs> this sounds like yeah. something you shouldn't tell people right. about. No, this is totally fine. This is common <laughs> knowledge. I had a thing called the serial the the serial date, which is to say that I had these specific places where I would take a young lady that I was interested in sure. to try to suss out. Some of the the qualities that I think would you know, this, the first date's completely easy. Oh, it I don't think a, this is a unique concept. No, no, I think no. this idea so that you date, take people to certain spots to understand who they are. Right. So yeah. date one was this very easy get to know yourself kind of thing. Date two was a little more complex menu, like a little bit of a weird menu, because I got to see how you you know if you look at the menu and you go I don't know what this is or ooh yuck or <laughs> I can't you know I just don't yeah. want to you know. If you're not interested in in an odd menu, or if you can't sort of engage with an odd menu, that's that's kind of a you're on the out. I, there were some folks at that dinner you brought up. They're just like, I don't eat seafood. I'm like, what? You're near. We're 40 years old. Yeah, I don't, <laughs> I don't eat fish. I have a buddy who listens to this podcast that was there. He's gonna get mad that I'm ch- that I'm checking him on that, but he'll laugh <laughs> because come on, man, you're an adult. It's okay to eat some fish. <laughs> and then there's the day date, which is a very important part of the serial date. It is. Then there's the dress-up date. Yeah. Again, very important. I had a, I had a series of seven dates that were yeah, all... Yeah, did you have like a live were, music date? That were all engineered. I, you know, I don't think specifically, but you know, there, was, there was a lot of... There was some casual stuff, and then there was... But it, it just, again, it sort of sussed out some of the, some of the, the things that I was looking for in, in a possible longer-term relationship. But I think maybe do I mean do we do this with would I do this with dudes? I guess in in a certain way we all do because we're just doing the things you want to do, right? Yeah, it's not. On, it's like what we talked about before. It's not on purpose. It's just like I'm going to do this, and then. But also, you learn about with guys is uh, when you're doing it that way is you understand whether or not it's a priority, and right. that really gives you a nice lay of the land on sort of whether or not they give a shit about those things. And then you never have to have any conversations or learn anything about them, and that's how right. I like my friendships. I think that when when I was like, no, courtesy laugh. When I, when I was younger and single, I always told people it's like I'm the ultimate hangout guy. I've got money in my pocket and I don't have anything to do. And I'm cool to do whatever. <laughs> so if you call me, I'll show up. You didn't have a problem, 
you know, I didn't have a problem doing that when I was when I was younger. And I think men, like, the dude measurables are pretty much just that. Yeah. Are you cool to hang out? Do you yeah. do I I don't have to carry you financially and <laughs> and uh, and you're just in your and you'll show up. If you say you'll show up, you show up. Yeah, well, and then I, you know, I mean, we've all had our moments, but you also have to not be a liability at least more than say like once every few years. <laughs> <laughs> right. You can't be the guy that shows up and is routinely like requiring me to be to make sure that you're not, you, you know, you get home safe or that you're not getting beat up at the bar or like you're not, right. you know, you, you can't make you're not trouble. getting handsy with some yeah. lass at the, you gotta have, you have to have some value to the group. Yeah, exactly. Right. You have to be part of, no, you, you know. can bring nothing to the table. That's actually a valid option. You can bring <laughs> nothing to the table. That's as okay. long as you're not taking stuff off the That's table. That's exactly is that what you're correct. saying. <laughs> yes. I don't know. I gotta have. I gotta have value. I gotta have. I, you gotta be willing to do something. You gotta have. You gotta have. Uh, you gotta be part of the super team. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go slightly over time here because just to tell you the like every super team, every great super team has a leader, has the brain, the heart, the muscle, and the wild card. Right, you have to have those five things, and if you can't play any or all of those five roles, well, I was to say the absolute best, right? They everybody take everybody alternates, right? Uh, you know, Batman, he can be all five, right? Wolverine, he can be all five, right? There's not a lot of five tool players in the superhero universe, nor in the right. friend universe, but you got to be able to bring a little of that to the table, right? Like Cyclops is never going to be a wild card, right? Exactly, he doesn't have it in him, <laughs> exactly. Thank you for, uh, thank you for that. Anyway, <laughs> perfect. You like I got on your wavelength there. Yeah, we're gonna we'll we'll do a deep dive on comic books sometime down the road. I think there's something to be had there. All right. So speaking of measurables, as amateur golfers, you and I both carry a USGA official handicap. Yeah, just got although, reinstated today. Although you you called mine into question. The well, other week. Sounds like you're a cheater. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I ain't got time to play out of the divots in the fairway. You know this. Yeah, it really depends. If I'm already in the tank, I'll just move it. If I'm yeah. playing for real score, like if I'm playing well and it's in the divot, I'm going to play it out of the divot. I know. I just... Anyway. <laughs> Take your bogey and live. <laughs> <laughs> I'm probably going to bogey anyway, so what's the, what's the difference? Anyway, the USG tweet, USGA tweeted out the other week. They said, if you practiced and played as much as you wanted, what do you think your handicap index could be? Could be. Now, currently, I'm carrying an 11 and small change. Uh-huh. Just because I went on a, a rip and tear at the end of... I, only, I never golf well until September. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm with you on that. I and then same, I play. I, then, <laughs> I float around. I shoot in the low to mid 80s all summer long, and then September comes and I shoot three rounds in the 70s, and my handicap goes down. So it's right. basically floating around 13, mm-hmm. and then boom, it's 11. And I guarantee you, by the end of June, it'll be back to 13. <laughs> so I'm not. I'm not really living on 11. You yeah. know, I if someone asked me if somebody asked me, hey, what's your handicap? I would tell them thirteen. Yeah. Until September, in at which point I'm an eight. <laughs> <laughs> For three weeks a year, I'm an eight. But the rest of the year, like, come on, I'm don't 13. you want to go up? Don't you want to win tournaments? <laughs> yeah, exactly, sandbagging it. But oh, really, so worst. if you so practicing and playing as much as you wanted, you know, what's your ceiling? Now, I'm taking. Me personally, I'm taking into account the fact that I'm not a young person anymore. Yeah, I was so about to bring I'm, that up. My I'm body's already, starting to betray me. <laughs> I'm already limited. So could I be much better than 11 if I could play and practice as much as I wanted, which, is, which isn't to say as much as I could. Like, I don't think I could play and practice every day. No? I don't think so. First of all, there's the mental aspect of it. Because am I going to grind out 20 hours of practice a week just to be a, an eight? <laughs> well, I think it's interesting because it really, again, you know, you know me, I always want more context. Like how much, like what are my access, same access to like. Same pra- access, like, same access. Let's say, let's say your job would pay you the same amount of money they're paying you now, but you didn't have to go there and instead they'd let you play and practice golf. But like, I don't have say a membership or a situation where I can go run out and play like the same three holes six times. No, it's just there's the access you have now. Just okay. the regular, just the regular, you know, you go to the range, you can you could get a coach. I mean, you could do all these. You can do all these so things now. I would say that if I could if I could quit my job and golf full time. Mm-hmm. I think I could right away, I think within about 
like less than a season, I think I could probably take five to six strokes off my handicap. So you're thinking uh, you're you're thinking you're thinking you could consistently shoot in the high seventies. Yeah, the no end doubt, of, no doubt in my of, mind that I could shoot seventy nine or better every time out if I got to do that. Yes. If you quit today, if you yes. if they said, if this today would you you'd go consistently more times you'd be shooting under eighty than over eighty. Yes. That's and I think that if I stayed committed to it and up my fitness level, that I could theoretically even shave some more strokes off. Now, I'm, you know, I mean, I'm not going to fool myself and think low I'd be... Low single. Low single. Like a five. I like think if four. I if it was my full-time job, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, there's no future in that. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, there was this... A couple of years ago, there was this guy in Portland named Dan McLaughlin. He had this okay. thing called the Dan Plan, where he... Um, decided he would quit his job. Yeah, wasn't this the 10,000 hours guy? Yes, the 10,000 okay. hours guy. Yeah, yeah. I think he got about halfway there and his body just completely fell apart. He didn't start, he was, only, he was already a 30-year-old guy already. And I don't know if he was particularly great athletically. He didn't look, mm-hmm. like, a, he didn't look like a particularly athletic guy. But he went after it and I think he got, he got pretty good pretty fast. Yeah. But I think you learn very quickly that talent has a lot to do with it right like 10,000 hours for expertise is different for everybody but even if I put in 10,000 hours of trying to play the piano I'm never going to be Andre Watts I'm never going to be you know never going to be great yeah well I think with any skill there's things that you're sort of innate at right like you kind of understand innately in a way that other people just can't and you can't even articulate them sometimes because you can watch somebody do something and even understand like how to reproduce the same physical activity, whether it's a jump shot or a kicking a field goal or what have you, enough to go out and maybe even you know do it successfully, enough to keep you coming back. That's because that's what we're at we're with golf, right? Yeah. But uh, I think to be able to do it every time, uh, that's that's like the same as being able to be a, you know just a great painter or somebody where you have the, frankly, the the true motor skill control to reproduce the exact thing that your brain says, all right, body, it's mm-hmm. time to do this. Because I find, so with golf in particular, I know a lot about the golf swing. I've learned a lot over the years about the golf swing. I know what I want to do with my body. And even though I know I can do it most of the time, mm-hmm. there's times where it just, it doesn't, I don't, you know, it's like your brain just shuts down and like you completely do the wrong thing and you, you hit like some god awful shot like you've never played golf before in your life because you didn't, you know, do the weight transfer or you didn't do this or that and the other thing. And so that I think translates to literally every skill there is, is that like, mm-hmm. how often do you fuck it up? Like even when you know what you're supposed to do correctly. And I think that's everything. That's, that's right. your job. Yeah. That's like your relationship management. That's how do you interact with people? Because man, I think we all have moments as people and and, I, you know, this may be kind of a preview of, of a topic we'll dovetail into at the end. And I won't go too far into this. But I think we all have moments as people where you're like, God damn, I should be able to do certain, you know, I should be better at this. Or like, I know, I, you know, you get that level where you're like, I know I'm not necessarily in full control over what's happening right now. You know, if you're being like super emotional or what have you, or you're feeling mm-hmm. in a certain way, you know, you I mean, that's, that's essentially what depression is right it's like chemicals flowing in a way where you're just like fuck i, sh- I don't know what this is but i i cannot i don't have control over the way i feel anyway back to body control which is what i'm getting at sure is that yeah every single person is so i think individually and uni- unique in a way that maybe we don't even understand as humans um that it's it's impossible to say i could be that person i think right. that's just an impossible thing to say this is also from my perspective not only a talent thing but this is also the power of starting young I think there's a lot to be there's a lot to be said about being really really great at something by getting good at it really early in your life. Absolutely, like having, you have more time to refine, like, right? Like having the opportunity. Just I mean, getting those just just again the ten thousand hours thing is probably real, right? And you know, and but there's a whole everyone has their ceiling. Like I'm never going to run as fast as Usain Bolt. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, if I fell out of a third-story window, I would still not be going as fast as, as Usain Bolt. But the but really, when it comes down to it, it, there's a lot of things that have to go your way to get really great at something. There, there's a talent, there is access, and there is... You've got to start young. I just don't think... So when you think about... So when the USGA says, how could, could I get right now? Maybe a little better is basically mm-hmm. my answer to this. I could probably get a little better... But let's be clear, 
if I poured five hours a week into it, I probably would get as much out of it as if I poured 20 hours a week into it. You think? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Like, there's just definitely, especially with golf, there's diminishing returns. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I don't think that if I could, I mean, I think I could probably end up shooting consistently under 80 if I made it my job today. Yeah. And, but I don't think I'd be shooting near par very often or at I, all. I think, I think if I understood be, certain things better, I would shoot better though. There's, I, I there's think, things. Yeah. Yeah. My best round ever that I've ever shot is 76. Mm-hmm. Hey, me too. Yeah. So, I mean, and I was just on fire. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I shot 76. I really don't know. I just, I think that, I think a lot of people fool themselves by saying, Hey, if I could just quit my job and do this, I, I would be awesome at it. It's like, well, I'm not sure. <laughs> I think that it's sort of depending. What could you get good at? What do you think you could get markedly good at? I think about, I was thinking about this earlier. It's like physical activity stuff. I'm old. I can't, you know, whatever. But then I think about something like chess. Like if I decided to take up chess full time, could I get pretty decent at chess? I don't know. Do you have the attention span for it? I don't know. But, that's <laughs> the, but when you think about things like that, yeah. I mean, I might have a better chance of being a fairly decent rated you know, a fairly decent rated chess player than perhaps being a scratch golfer. Maybe. Uh, yeah, I don't, I mean, I'm not I, sure. I have no knowledge, right? So it's impossible to know, but I see what you're saying. Like, cause it's sort of like poker in that there is uh, to some extent a finite number of outcomes. Yeah. And you just gotta be, you just gotta be good at get. I mean, Hey, poker might be the one. No, cards is cards is the direct cards is definitely the answer <laughs> because cards is just, once you know everything there is to know, it's simply about then playing your opponents. So once you can set all the technical stuff aside completely, then you really find out like how good of a card player you could be. Right. Huh. That's expensive. That's an expensive way to go, though. It's so you <laughs> get somebody else. The key to be, the key to being a professional poker player is to get somebody else to pay your buy-ins. Yeah. Like, and wear that sweatshirt with all the the freaking like <laughs> deathpoker2000.com or whatever those guys all wear. Well, there's one thing that's for sure. Um, if you want to make a living doing a leisure activity, you have to be willing to wear some ugly-ass clothes. <laughs> that is a, just a universal truth. Yeah. And the, yeah. the shittier and shadier the activity is, the shittier and shady the clothes <laughs> you have to wear. <laughs> oh, you're right. You're right. You're absolutely right. I find All right. to be a, a, also a universal truth. All right. In our third, in our, in our third section tonight, uh, I was reading the Players Tribune article that Kevin Love penned this week about how he was struggling with anxiety attacks and panic attacks and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Which, of course, every goon on Twitter is like, "Well, you make twenty-five million dollars a year. What do you got to be depressed about, jackass?" Anyway, yeah. right. That's that's the first thing people people forget that people are actually human beings and do these kind of things. But what dawned on me is that we we get a lot of this now. We get a lot of this dialogue. We get a lot of people coming out and talking about their struggles in terms of mental health or depression or these other kinds of things. And I thought to myself, wouldn't Leave It to Beaver be a way more interesting show if Ward said, you know what, Beaver? I'm really sometimes not sure of what I'm doing or how I'm raising you and Wally. <laughs> I have serious self-doubts. Uh, no, man, Ward came out and said, get your shit together. I, yeah. This is, I mean, the 50s dad is dead in terms of, in, in, at least in terms of being in fashion. The dad as a sort of all, not all-knowing, but at least sure-handedness. I think... It's funny because I think of as I'm talking to my kids, how much do you how much do you need to be sure handed and how much do you need to be vulnerable? How much do you need to say that I don't understand this either? You know, we we, we're taking on a lot of big issues in this day and age, like active shooters and drugs and all these other sorts of big things. At what point do you say at at what point do you sit down with your kids and put it out on the table that you don't know what the hell's going on yeah that's it's funny that you say that because without going into too many details um i was doing some it's tax season sure so i was doing some reconciliation 
And uh, when we first moved into this house, which is a little more than two years ago, it needed some improvements that were sort of non-negotiable. Um, but we extended it for this house, so it wasn't something that I had the cash to do with at the time. Uh, but we wanted to get it done. So I made, you know, some stuff happen and, and was able to get some deferred financing to get the, the not necessarily a loan, but a loan of sorts sure. to get the work done. And it was, it's the kind of loan where basically you're, it's accruing interest, but it's deferred till the end of the term. And you have, you know, X period of promotional time to get it paid off uh, or the interest is actually due. It's accruing, right? Yeah, yeah. So it, one of the things I always say is that they don't send us a statement. They send us a threat. <laughs> the juice is running. Exactly. Pay this, pay this or, yeah. or this big or the, or the piano that's hanging over your head falls. Right. So needless to say, the period is up at about six months. And I was looking at our overall situation for the year. And it was the first time I really felt like I was staring into the abyss of like, if you don't get this done, like you are well and truly fucked. <laughs> and I was like shook for three days. Like, it was like, I knew that I would get it taken care of because I'm already in the process of making that happen. Sure. Um, I'm not really concerned about it now. Pretty much have put it to bed, uh, you know, short of signing the paperwork. But for about 72 hours, I was like shit man and i couldn't like <laughs> i couldn't get myself out of it like i couldn't i couldn't separate myself and you know it's funny you know what got me out of it playing around of golf because <laughs> i stopped i had to clear my mind right and Relax. so it went away and then right. i was able to sort of reassess and i think that is the thing that um we don't help each other do as people is this understanding that like you just need to like get through whatever your reaction is and then come out of that as opposed to try to stifle it um, I do think, you know, it's, it's tough when you go back to your question is when, when do your kids talk about it? It's, I, I probably come at it from too much of a, a hard ass point of view, which is, you know, I just sort of try to repeat a mantra of don't freak out first. Mm. Let's tell me what the problem is. Let's discuss whether the problem has a solution and then reserve your freak out for when there's no solution. <laughs> right. <laughs> at right. least if we can get to that point. Then we can like actually make sure that the freakouts are well and truly deserved, and then we can deal with it then and say, you know what? Yeah, you're right. It's fucked. I don't know either. Right. <laughs> but let's get to the point where that's all we're freaking out about. Right. Right. And I think that maybe in terms of maybe a Kevin Love who is famous and has a platform, maybe he feels like he can help people by by coming out with this kind of stuff. For sure. But me, but me personally, I don't think it helps anybody if I come out and say, you know, I'm really struggling with, with anxiety attacks. Like, no, that helps nobody. <laughs> no, nobody benefits from me coming unglued or, or at least admitting to the fact that behind closed doors I come unglued. It doesn't help. What about it you? It doesn't, what do you mean? It doesn't, doesn't help, help you me? To, to say it out loud? Well, I could say it out loud, but... Yeah, I feel the same way though. Like I feel but like the, really, the reality it is, re- it doesn't really help me or anybody to say, "I'm freaking out over here. I can't, I can't function like a normal human." I don't know. That's it's a it's a funny thing to because I read I read that article and and I just said, I understand he's got a platform, but for me personally, I don't know. Maybe it is a weird old school. I have an Asian patriarch of a dad who wouldn't wouldn't you know show his weakness right Uh he wouldn't yeah he wouldn't admit to that at least when i was a kid i mean now it's a little bit different as he's older and i'm older that you know he could admit to some things now that he couldn't then but when i was 10 years old there's i mean who knows what would it could have happened he would have never shown me he would have never shown me that side of it it's well it's hard right you have to see to, to do that with someone you have to see them as a peer not someone who especially, I think, looks up to you. So when you're coming clean to your children, I think that's a little different. Mm-hmm. Like if you're like, you know, I'm an, you, I think you can be vague about it and say, you know, I'm not maybe myself right now or whatever your situation is. But sure. uh, yeah, I, I mean, I hear where you're coming from and it helps no one. Uh, <laughs> I do think, <laughs> I do think though, it, what does help is to take a moment and if you are feeling overwhelmed is to try to understand at least why and it, do you want to stop or, you know what I mean? Like, do you, do you understand that you're not in control? I think that's really where the delineation line is. And if, if you don't even understand that you're not in control, you're in a really bad spot. Right. And so that's why I think that maybe it helps a lot for some people to talk about it. Cause I think that for folks that don't live a very self-examined life, um, it can be overwhelming if they don't have someone that they can feel comfortable 
speaking out to. And I think that's true for men and women. So, I, I mean, I hear where you're coming from. And I, I certainly am not inclined to be like, man. But I've also, you know, and, and then open up my heart to, to randoms. But I've also become, <laughs> I find, at least as I've gotten older, I feel like the more um, I can understand about myself, the more that helps me see the world in a way I actually understand better. Like I understand sort of where I like my lines are like, I'm never going to understand this person's approach, right? Like that, that's helpful too. Uh Um, but, but just this idea that if you can vocalize that sometimes it, you know, and sometimes someone can say, you know, I have a friend who's really good about saying, because, you know, I like to bitch and complain, which is often really the fuel for kind of ambition, right? Like I want this to be better. Sure. But then, you know, I have a buddy who's really good about saying, hey, you know, have you thought lately about how blessed you are? And he doesn't use those words because I didn't mean to say blessed either. Because uh-huh. <laughs> Hashtag right. blessed. Hashtag blessed. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> hashtag grateful. Exactly. But have, you, but have you? Have you taken a moment to think about, like, how much better, you know, or how, how what you have that, that you might, might not otherwise have or how, how fortunate you've been? Right. I think maybe I consider myself so fortunate that perhaps I see all this other stuff as being fairly small. Like, well, I actually, it like, makes me like a, like a crappy day at the job just sort of bounces off, right? I'm just like, whatever. <laughs> I'm, I'm blessed. You know, I don't, I don't tend to worry about, maybe I should worry about myself more. <laughs> now that I think about it. Maybe I should, maybe I should just sort of, you know, you know, be, be somewhat thoughtful about why I don't have, I don't really feel like I'm a guy with problems. Right. Which is, so, you know, I'm not trying to invent any. Right. <laughs> but still, the little bumps in the road, I can. it's easy for me to just sort of shake them off and just say, ah, you know what, no big deal, really, because I'm doing good. Yeah, it's hard certainly to complain about, you know. <laughs> first I, world but, problems, first world problems. Yeah. Like all my problems seem very first world. But right. then again, I don't think I'm struggling with anything clinical. We just talked about how much better we could get at golf for nearly 10 minutes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. As opposed to wondering what, how to eat tomorrow. Right. Exactly. I mean, there's, there's people who have to deal with real world shit. Like we just talk on the internet about like the fact that we can just do whatever we want really when it comes right down to it. Yeah. My lack of problems has really actually given me a, a great deal of respect for people who just live in a world like literally that I can't even comprehend with, you know, fighting literally for their lives to fund their health care or, or working six jobs to, you know, keep the water running at their, you know, at their shit apartment. Do you see today in Seattle that the new we're up for the, the median um, home price went up 20 grand in a month? The oh, median God. home price is 770 K. Oh, Lord. Yeah, that's insane. That is, that really is. Oh, well. I feel like I rambled a lot in this episode of the show, but we did some existential stuff. I don't know. Got, We've definitely I been. Got, been I, got, uh, I got got into our got into our feeling closet there, right? Got into the uh, got in the old uh, got in the old head there. Opened it up a little. I'll say, like, it's been it's one of these things where I I'm really conflicted about it because I'm pretty much the same person all the time. Um, and I don't really have the capacity to like sort of carry myself, you know, I mean, it's, it's a, it's, it's a degrees, obviously, sure. depending on the situation, mm-hmm. but like, I'm pretty much beholden to the truth. I'm not really interested in your bullshit and I don't want to play your bullshit politics. Like, let's just do whatever the job is. Let's just get it done. And I find that that's both, it's ca- sometimes career limiting, but I don't, I'm not like willing to change myself to like. To, to be whatever you need to be to, I guess, move into these groups of people that yeah. are all lying to each other. I don't right. know. <laughs> yeah. There's a certain, there's a certain threshold of sort of society. You know, I saw that Bezos broke the hundred billion mark. Yeah. Right. So I don't even know what that's about. You know, I don't even know. I, I just don't have, I wouldn't, point? I wouldn't have the capacity to, to, to do that kind of thing, that high level executive thing that people do. I just don't have it in me. This is not my, this is not in my soul. Yeah. No, it used to be one of my ambitions and, and I still think that I'd like to run my own company uh-huh. and, and, uh, and, and still try to do something like that. But yeah, but you know, Jeff Bezos probably never thought so either. And that's the thing is that he's just some guy. I mean, right. he's, yeah, he's intelligent. I'm who sure. Decided, he, who decided he wanted to sell books on the internet? So much about life is about timing and assets. Yeah. Like, do you have the idea at the right time? And do you have the assets to see the idea to fruition? Right. 
Yeah, and, and you know you got to you got to get lucky. You got to make some good decisions, and you got to get a little lucky, and and it dovetails, and you know right. you get the right people on board. I mean, I mean they've done obviously Amazon's done banner business <laughs> for sure. So you know, God bless them. But I'm just like I said, I just I just I look into that world of that level of. Do you remember business. for a decade when Amazon was like the dot com joke because they hadn't made money for 15 years? Yeah. Right until, the, until they took over the entire retail space of the United States of America, like between like them and Walmart. Well, if you I, realize if that I want to go out and buy something, I have to go to Walmart, and if I want to stay in and buy something, I go to Amazon. That's <laughs> that's it. <laughs> Those are your choices, people. That was fueled too, though. Amazon's rise is fueled by internet culture because people don't want to have to be they don't have to go somewhere to get something. I know when they when it's like I don't want to go somewhere and then bring it back home. Right. That's why Uber. That's why Uber will deliver McDonald's to me now. That's right. <laughs> for years, for years, I was like, "We, I need like, give me a ten dollar minimum order so you can go pick up some food." I just want to leave, and plus, I'm drunk, so <laughs> right. I need some fast food. <laughs> it's the ultimate "I buy you fly" culture. It's like, See, that's what I'm talking about. I, if I'd had the assets when I was 24 to start Uber Eats, <laughs> yeah, or Eat 24 or some shit, Gr- I'd probably Grub be a, probably a millionaire. Whatever. Yeah, you would be. Do you Maybe. remember Cosmo.com? Because that didn't sure. work. Yeah. Or what was the other? What was the other internet grocer that was that was uh, that was another internet grocer for? Yeah, a that while. was a weird and thing where it went. It like it just turned out that I don't remember what it was called. I know what you're talking about, but what it happened with internet grocer is it turned out just the regular grocer was like, oh, I can just put the food back on the trucks we already have and bring it to you. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Right. Okay. Yeah. Fine. We can do yeah. that. All right. Let's wrap this thing up. Um, I'm gonna skip right to our Oscar. The Oscar wrap up. The I review. thought it was a good time. The good time. So, we did. I did. I did make some poor picks. <laughs> but well, we admitted we didn't know anything about the movies, right? Yeah, we did. And I'm gonna be. I'm gonna tell you. I can't believe the Fishman Romance movie won Best Picture. Now, granted, I haven't seen it. <laughs> but really, if you were to tell me that of all these movies, that the Fishman Romance movie was gonna win. I'd have slapped your face. Well, and I, the and, only and take then, I <laughs> and then Del Toro wins, and then Del Toro wins best director. On top of that, yeah. this is the guy who made us the giant robot fighting movie two years ago. Yeah, and now I, he's a, now like he's an awesome. Rim. I love Pacific Rim. I'm not gonna lie, but that guy made that guy wins an Oscar with essentially the next movie he makes after the giant robot fighting movie. Hasn't he been nominated before though? Maybe like Pan's Labyrinth is considered exactly. like really high quality art, but I remember seeing that and going, "Yeah, I don't care about this movie." Guy, I liked watching it, and then when it was over, I'm like, "I'm never gonna watch that again." Yeah, the guy makes monster movies. He loves monster movies. Right. Yeah, he yeah. just happened to make Splash <laughs> again with a fish man. The only take I have about it is the with same Hellboy's take I have. Abe Sapien. Hellboy's <laughs> Abe Sapien <laughs> in a in a in a in a fish man romance movie. Okay, so you literally just stole my joke. So thank- <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, no, it's great. No, that's the whole time I was like, isn't that the... Yeah, because then was I, Ron Perlman had tweeted out like the anniversary of Hellboy recently, and so that yeah. was fresh in my mind. And uh, yeah, <laughs> Abe Sapien. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, Abe, no. Sapien, Abe Sapien falls in love with a mute girl, and it wins the and it wins Best Picture. I can't believe it. I have to watch that movie. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm dying to watch it now. Yeah, I'll see it eventually you, now because now it's like, point. how could this be best picture? Because, and I, this is actually the other thing I've heard a million people say is that uh, uh, it when you saw the clips, if you hadn't seen the movie, uh-huh. it seemed insane that they were actually saying that that was the movie that was nominated. Yeah, still not as ridiculous as uh, Whoopi Goldberg winning for Ghost, but okay, <laughs> moving on. Ridiculous! Wow, you're gonna shit on Whoopi's Oscar. Wow. Well, I was, was going to shit on Marissa Tomei's Oscar, but I, but I think Whoopi's is even worse. But look, man, the pause attraction monologue is worthy of an Oscar <laughs> alone. Right. Yes. Right. But Whoopi Goldberg and Ghost, thats a pretty—that's a poor performance. Poor. But for that's a woman, how. But for a woman who's got an egot, for the woman, for an egot woman to get her to get her Oscar on Ghost is some that's weak, weak sauce but um, isn't that just overall like the quality of i mean that's the same era where like dances with wolves wins <laughs> hey, best picture you, you better leave costner out of this or i'm coming over there 
All right. I'm going to move it on before I get angry with you. Um, Gary Oldman, Darkest Hour. You know, now, while I didn't pick him because I thought Daniel Day-Lewis would win just because, I did say that Oldman was in the catbird seat. So I'm going to give myself partial credit for that. When you play the, when you play the, uh, you know, the, the, when you immerse yourself in the historical character. Yeah. You're 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 in. You've got to you you're definitely making something happen. Yeah, no, the academy goes wild for it. All right, McDormand, she bore. I, she's I don't know about I, her whole celebrity persona of being like this really grouchy. Has like, it woman. always been that way? I'm not sure. Or is it I'm just not, like a last like four or five years thing? I don't know. Because like I don't remember Fargo McDormand being like this. <laughs> I don't know. But know, you know, I, props to I, her. I, props to her for even though her speech and moment was a little bit on the I don't know it was just on the nuttier side right I think mostly it was the it's sort of the crazy laughing is what made it kind of right. everything else was normal right, but the right. crazy laughing made it a little her point, just, her point her points are well made and yes. well taken but the yes. cack, the cackling yeah it's not even cackling it's like this sort of like it's <laughs> like, <laughs> it, it, it crescendos like, <laughs> like it's just, I can't yeah it's screwed anyway. up it's well so I'm up. glad that we can you know I'm sure that in this era us talking about who, uh, an Oscar winner who was a woman who just stood up there and made a point for all of social justice and then we're clowning her for her weird laughing. That's really a good look for us. I'm equal opportunity to make. Uh, <laughs> I guess I have burned on I guess I have that's burned a coward's on, excuse. I guess I have burned on nothing but women Oscar winners at this point. However, yeah, and then I'm gonna, Guillermo. And then I'm gonna come back and say oh how awesome Sam Rockwell is always. Always, Sam Rockwell is great. He's the. I always feel good when Sam Rockwell shows up. In the same way, I feel good when Aaron Eckhart shows up. Regardless of how shit a movie is, if Aaron Eckhart comes strolling onto the screen, I'm like, ah, we're good. We're in good hands with Aaron Eckhart. And I feel like we're in interesting hands when Rockwell shows up. Uh, he's definitely um, going to be entertaining. Uh, I don't know that his... I, I have to see this movie, I guess, even though... <laughs> It doesn't look like something I want to watch. I, I don't know if I'll... I think I'll probably be missing three billboards. It's the kind of thing that we'll, I'll record, and it will sit on the DVR for, like, six months and at you'll least. And you'll <laughs> Probably. Yeah. You should, you should see the Sam Rockwell movie where he's this shitty high school girls basketball coach. Is he playing the same character? See, that was what I was saying. Yes. He's always the same he, guy, though. Yeah, he's the shitty down-on-his-luck, drinks-too-much dude. And so do you think he only wins an Academy Award because other Oscar voters haven't seen much of his other work? And they're just like, oh, this guy's great. <laughs> like, Because to me, it's like you're giving an Oscar to the guy who is probably just reprising his role as, you know, Scuzz Rockwell. Right. Well, if there was an Oscar for dude who's awesome, like hilariously dancing, it would be Sam Rockwell. The sure. guy's totally cornered the market on that. Anyway. He's just, he's just young Jeff Bridges. That's all he's doing. <laughs> Jeff Bridges could never dance like that. No, I don't mean the dancing. I mean the acting. Oh, all right. Uh, Allison Janney wins for I, Tanya. So for the, for, for the people who haven't seen the Independent Spirit Award monologue yet, go watch go watch it, and then we'll come back to me later. Right, but we'll because on that because so I have not seen it. Okay, so two years in a row, the, uh, the hosts are John Mulaney and Nick Kroll. Mm-hmm. And their monologue last year was full genius, and this year was also full bore genius. Mm-hmm. But they make the I can't I'm not going to do the I Tanya joke justice because it's so expertly delivered. <laughs> but go watch the monologue, revel in the I Tanya joke. It's, it's terrific. Anywho, Allison Janney, she might be the tallest best supporting actress ever. Probably, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if she's actually tall or if she's just Hollywood tall. No, I think she's actually tall. I think she's like a real deal six footer plus. <laughs> I don't know. I like well, you, got that, that, well, you got that pick right. That I was did, the one, that's, that was the that's, one you picked. That's the one I got. Well, there you go. See? So I give myself one in small change. I'm going to give myself one and a little bit. But anyway, I don't know. I didn't want I sort of. I was sort of in and out of the Oscars. Eh, was yeah, me like, too. Meh, it was on, but I wasn't paying attention. Yeah. Sorry. Anything else interesting? Best screenplay, Jordan Peele. <laughs> I'm, glad he, I'm glad that he got rewarded because the yeah. movie deserves some recognition. Yeah, and uh, his tweet was hilarious. He's like, I won an Oscar. What the fuck? <laughs> 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 it's terrific. Do you think Keegan-Michael, uh, you know... Key. Key, Key. Keegan-Michael Key sitting at home going, dang it! 
No, you didn't see the video of him oh, like reacting I, I positively. Know, I know he reacted positively. <laughs> I know what he said in public. I don't think so. Think he's okay? Yeah. All right. I'd like to think he was okay. I'd like to think they were. I'd like to think he was happy for his. Well, because there for a minute when when they when the show was ending, I mean Keegan I think is more of an acting an actor, and I think Jordan is more of a creator. Oh. Uh-huh. Just purely from a performance stand performing standpoint, I think Keegan yeah. is more of a straightforward comic. And mm-hmm. I think Jordan is just more of a, a visionary. And maybe I'm wrong. I don't know what, you know, no, they, he's got in, in the pipe. That well could be it. Yeah. But because when, when they sort of ended the show, Jordan kind of disappeared for a bit, right? He sort of like kind of, he started writing and, and you know, making making films. Um, Keanu, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but Key was, you know, Key was everywhere. He was all over the place. And really like, oh, I kind of remember feeling bad at the time. Like, how come he's the one getting all the work? Because he didn't really understand the dynamic. Right. So no, I don't think they have issues. I think they, you they don't think you don't stuff. think he's like he has an Oscar and I have to do these rocket mortgage commercials. No, I think, think his <laughs> buddy won an Oscar and he's like, yes, now I can make movies with him for the rest of my life. Yeah, well, hopefully we'll, yeah. we'll see what they we'll see what they come up with. It's always it's always a uh, it's always interesting to see what happens after the awards get handed out, right? Uh, yeah, and I feel actually like this opens a door where he writes a movie where. Key gets to do a, a dramatic turn and maybe win an Oscar of his own. Oh, help his buddy! Help his buddy to the podium. Yeah, for sure. I like to do that. Would you help me in that same way? Uh, yeah. Once I had mine, yeah, you can have one. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. I knew that's how this works. You suck. <laughs> we're no we're no longer friends. Oh, okay. Until well, next week when we until next, when, week. until next week when we when we when we get back together to chat about who God knows what. Well, if you are if we're wrapping it up, I, I can close the show with a joke I heard for the first time this week. Okay, hit me with it. What did the left butt cheek say to the right butt cheek? <laughs> I don't know. If we stick together, we can stop all this shit. <laughs> and. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, take that to the streets. <laughs> Just remember, it's teamwork that makes the dream work. <laughs> I'm going to have to change our podcast to the Dad Jokes Podcast. That's I'm what we sure, should just tell dad is, jokes. Is someone doing a dad jokes podcast? I don't know. You should Google it. Find out. Oh, man. If they are, I'm totally going to listen to it. And then I'm going to rip off all their material and put it into our podcast. <laughs> well, I got that one from High Maintenance on HBO on all Sunday right. night. Sounds... <laughs> Terrific. Props to them. Props to them. All right. More dad jokes next week. Probably Thanks for not. listening to the Two on Three podcast. <laughs> we love you. Bye-bye.